KLB Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, live on the road. We are on the road on this Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. My man, Damon Cotton, is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. But I am out in the streets, literally, magical forest at Opportunity Village. There's going to be a celebration here today for the Las Vegas Aces. Of course, the champion Las Vegas Aces who prepare to defend their title in another upcoming season. That's exciting. There's going to be some big-time festivities going on here uh, this afternoon into this evening, celebrating the championship and also preparing for another run at a potential title with the new additions to the squad. I'm excited to see what the Aces are able to do this year, and I know how much talent they have. Very excited to see them defend that title. But yes, we're here at Magical Forest at the Opportunity Village. Uh, This is a big-time event for season ticket holders going on here. There's actually going to be players in attendance around 5.30 to around 7 o'clock. But all the festivities really get started here about 4. So we're here just a little bit early. I'm starting to see everyone put everything together. But the thing about it is, and I've never been here before, every time I go someplace, it's normally like my first time. So this is the first time I've ever been here. It looks like I could really, I don't want to say get myself in trouble, because that's not the key here. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble, but there's a lot of activities, Damon, that I can do here. There's a lot of, it looks like there's a lot of games I can play. I see a train, and I'm not going to go get on the train during a commercial break or anything, but I might get on the train during a commercial break, right? I mean, that's just kind of what I do. There used to be a time when I'd be in, say, Central Texas, and I would be doing, uh, I'd be out on, on, on location somewhere, and all of a sudden there'd be some activities out at the, at the back like backyard area of this of this place that I'd be on on uh, location with and commercial break would end it would come and go and all of a sudden I'm still outside playing in the backyard basically right kind of going through those activities so this is one of those setups Damon where I can actually end up like I said I don't want to say get myself in trouble but I can end up having a little bit of fun out here so it's a shame that you're in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio because I think it's going to be fun uh, this opportunity that we have this afternoon and of course uh, celebrating the Aces as well. Are there any games out there that could have a um, competitive need for them? Because that's how you could get yourself in trouble. If you're just trying to go out there and compete with people in games where it's just everybody that's out there trying to take it easy. I think every game here has an opportunity to be competitive. I really do. It looks like, and, and the, the good thing is they, they set us up right here close to the entrance, so whenever everybody walks in, they'll see us, which is ideal. But for me, it keeps me kind of far away from the game, so uh, I really have to extend myself to be able to go over and play some of the games. So I think they might have strategically thought, like, okay, we'll set them up where the radio station can be seen early, and we're here with our sister station as well. Great setup. Uh, Angel and Mateo have done a fantastic job making us look like A1 out here. I mean, look. They did the hard work. I'm doing the easy part. I came down and sat down and made it all look bad, but they made this look fantastic. So our sister station is out here as well. Cofield and company will be here starting at 3 o'clock. So uh, that'll be fun to kind of tag team this event. So they, they set us up here. So we all look great, right? And so we could be seen immediately, and uh, there'll probably be a bunch of pictures taken, and, and we'll have our, our logo and everything right there, front and center. And like I said, everyone who walks through these gates right here can't help but to see us, even if they don't want to see us. Like right now, there's a couple young ladies walking by, and all I can do is yell at them, and they can't see, and they have to look. They have to look. Like there's no way that they can ignore me, right? I'm too loud, and I'm too right here in their face. So that's the beautiful thing about this setup. You cannot be ignored. You cannot be missed. But... 
<laughs> but the little 12-year-old in me wants to go play. And <laughs> I'm kind of far away from all the activities, so I can't go play, which will keep me out of trouble and keep me doing what I'm supposed to do and on tasks. So I guess they knew what they were doing, and they knew who they were dealing with <laughs> before this was all said and done. So uh, we'll be out here for the next few hours, and, and I'm just excited to be out here. Damon, you mentioned that you had uh, been out here before uh, when I was leaving the radio station to head on out here. Kind of what are your thoughts of the spot? Well, Opportunity Village, it's uh, good stuff. I haven't been to that Why are you talking like Barry White, by the way? That particular What's wrong? What? What's wrong with my talk, voice? Why are you talking like Barry White? You're like, well, uh, by the way, that uh, why are you trying to? Are you trying to? Is this Turner? Are you Slow Jam James? What are you doing, man? What are we doing here? I think this is just my voice cue. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. What are you doing? You're finally growing up. What are the, What are we doing here? What do you, I don't see the problem with my voice. If you it's guys, not a problem. I just think your voice is super deep today. Like, what What do you got going on? You put some kind of uh, effect on the microphone in the studio. I really just haven't been talking today, so maybe this is still the morning voice still coming out <laughs> at two o'clock. <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, because I literally haven't said. I've, I've only said like a couple of words. I'm like, hey, what we got for the show today? <laughs> I, this is the most I've talked all day. <laughs> Damon, Damon, a.k.a. Barry White, is on the show today. I love it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. No, I've got nothing else to say. I mean, He's like, you just ripped my voice for like five minutes, and now you want me to keep talking? Yeah, now I'm self-conscious. Uh, keep going on, uh, Q. What, what do we got coming up today? I'm just kidding. We do. We have a good show coming up for you. I'm excited about the opportunity that we have with you this afternoon. Coming up at 2.30, Joe DeLeon from the Believe Podcast Network. The whole draft season we had him on multiple times, just kind of talking about the draft. Well, want to go over his thoughts on the on the draft, what he thinks you know stood out to him the most, any surprises that he had. We'll talk about certain teams. Of course, we'll talk about the silver and black. We have to do that. But at the same time, just kind of want to get his overall feelings, any surprises with certain players that dip maybe down to round two, round three. You know, of course, there was Will Levis dropping down to your Tennessee Titans at round two. Uh, you know, everyone leading up to it thought he was going to be a round one guy. He wasn't. Uh, Michael Mayer for the Raiders dropped down to round two, thought he was a round one guy. You know, Hendon Hooker, a hardcore Raider, shout out to him. You know, he went number 68 overall, thought he was going to go in the first round. So we'll just kind of, you know, scatter shoot with Joe DeLeon coming up at 2.30, talking all things NFL draft and what stood out to him the most and, you know, who he thinks did a really good job and who, like, made you scratch your head a little bit. So that's coming up at 2.30. It's always great to catch up with Joe. Then, of course, on Tuesdays at 3 o'clock, we always catch up with the general. That's John McClain and his Houston Texans that he's been covering like a glove for many, 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 many years. Uh, they really – you want to talk about making the first move. They made the first move in the first round, obviously, with going and getting C.J. Stroud number two overall, where that's a guy, and one of the questions I'm going to ask him, Damon, is, John, you texted me and said you didn't think C.J. Stroud was going to be the guy. You know, Was that something that really Houston was putting out there, that he was not going to be the guy, only for him to be the guy, and then double down and go and get Will Anderson with the number three overall pick? I thought Houston did a really good job and, and gave D'Amico Ryans an opportunity to be successful. So we'll talk all things NFL. We'll talk about the Houston Texans. Uh, we'll talk about the fifth-year options. You know, We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, Demond, about uh, linebackers uh, Patrick Queen and uh, Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals who got their fifth-year options declined. Think about this. Five first-round linebackers were selected in 2020's draft. All five of them got their first, their uh, fifth-year options declined. All five of them, Patrick Queen, Isaiah Simmons, and others, right? They all got theirs, uh, you know, declined. So they, they say that don't, don't go grab a linebacker in the first round. Don't go grab a safety in the first round. Don't go get a running back in the first round. Well, look, look what's happening. 
Fifth-year options are being declined uh, left and right when it comes to those guys. So I'll talk about that position with John as well. I want to kind of get his thoughts on it. And, you know, we saw Jack Campbell go in the first round to the Detroit Lions. I thought he was a second-round linebacker, but he probably was the best linebacker in the draft. So uh, we'll talk to him about that, just certain position values that's going on in the league and how everything's trending and uh, all things NFL. You know when it comes to John McClain, man, he's an open book. Uh, we found out today Jordan Love got a contract extension. Instead of getting his fifth-year option picked up, they gave him a contract extension that was really – less than what the fifth-year option would have been, but it could mean more if he hits all the incentives. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like Green Bay kind of covered their backside without really dedicating a whole lot of money to him. But, I mean, really, honestly, $13 million is what's guaranteed for next year for Jordan Love for that fifth-year option. And if he doesn't hit all the incentives, then he's going to get less than that fifth-year option would have been. Uh, but he could make more than it, over $20 million, if he does hit all these incentives. So uh, Green Bay just they kind of did what they did. Didn't pick up his fifth-year option, but they didn't decline it either, I guess is the best way to put it. So, again, we'll talk all things NFL with John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock. And then at 4, and then at 4 o'clock, whoa, Nelly, like my late great-grandmother would say, uh, the Lakers, the Lakers and the Warriors, they get started this evening, right? Round two of the N NBA playoffs. Uh, excited about it from a Warriors standpoint, as I'm a fan of the Golden State Warriors. I thought that they were going to be done, done deal records when it came to the Kings, especially after that Friday night beatdown. I was in Kansas City, and I was sitting there kind of getting, uh, you know, getting updates on the score, and at some point I was like, all right, well, I ain't got to watch this no more. <laughs> right? That was a disaster in the Chase Center. So I thought, okay, this series is going to be over. They're going to go back to uh, they're going to go back to Sacramento, and Sacramento's going to run them out the gym and call it a day in advance. And un instead, the Warriors in their championship pedigree comes through. Steph Curry drops a 50-burger on them. They advance to round two. On the other hand, the Lakers. I buried the Lakers in round one. I said that the Lakers weren't going to get past your Memphis Grizzlies. I was surprised the Lakers made it into the playoffs. And here they are. Not only did the Lakers win, but they ran they ran the Grizzlies right out the gym. Right? They, they sent them home. Dylan Brooks today, I don't know if you saw the, the, the notification from Shams, but he said Dylan Brooks has been told by the Grizzlies he will not return next year. Like That's cold game when they're like, hey, dude, let me just tell you, you ain't coming back. <laughs> you ain't coming back. So I said it on the show yesterday, and I fully believed it. But then Shams puts it out on Twitter today that, oh, yeah, Dylan Brooks has been told he ain't coming back. So who knows where that dude's going to play next year. Wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in L.A. with LeBron, uh, even though you know he was the, uh, you know, the, the, the arch nemesis in that playoffs. But... Uh, the Lakers and the Warriors, man, this is going to be a fun little battle. I do expect, I mean, of course, you got the storylines with Steph and LeBron, uh, even though they don't guard each other very often, but just the greatness of both of those players and, of course, their teams around them. It's going to be a fun series, man. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to lie to you, Devon. I have no pulse of this series. I have no idea who's going to win this series. I, I, I've been wrong multiple times already, so I'm not trying to protect my, my great record because who knows what my record is, but <laughs> I just have no pulse of it. I really don't. I mean, this is the first time they're going to be playing LeBron and Steph, that is, where LeBron versus these, this, you know, Warriors dynasty. And with him being in the Western Conference in the playoffs, I really want to see, because Kevon Looney, he's been looking like a rebound superstar. Yeah. And I want to see if, if Anthony Davis is going to be able to neutralize that a little bit. That's one of those matchups that I'm really looking forward to see. How are they going to defend Anthony Davis? Because you think this is the series, hey, man, he's supposed to eat. But if he doesn't, I think that's really good. That's going to be what neutralizes the Lakers. And Anthony Davis, you know how I feel about him. He's so hot and cold, man. He's like the, he's like the water, man. It's like you don't know if it's going to be hot or cold. You really don't. You just it's almost like one of those uh, showers in a fancy hotel, and you don't know which way to turn the knob. And all of a sudden you turn it, and it's letting it run, and you're like, damn, this ain't getting hot. Well, that's Anthony Davis. And then finally you got to turn it the other way, and you're like, oh, that's why. You know, I never know what to expect from that dude. So uh, he is what he is. But I'll say this: the Lakers have way better size than the Warriors do. They should be able to pick and roll the Warriors to death. 
but I say they should be able to. doesn't mean they will. So Trevor Lane, our good friend from LakerNation.com, will join us at 4 o'clock as he's at the Chase Center preparing for this game uh, tonight. He'll give us a preview of what to expect from Lakers and Warriors, so we'll do that at 4 o'clock. Also, throughout the course of the show, and we'll kind of bounce in and out from this, Peter King, the great Peter King, uh, Monday morning quarterback, he was on the morning tailgate this morning with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, of course, uh, Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. They did a great job with the interview. I believe he was on around 7.20, and we have a few sound bites from him. He, he was in the, the war room with the Raiders on, on uh, day one. Right, and so what an opportunity, right? And, and and as I was listening to that interview this morning, he said that he's been in war rooms with different teams like nine times. Like, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine as much as we're fans of just the NFL draft in general? Like, take the team specific team out of it. It wouldn't make me any difference what team said, "Hey, Q, we want you to sit in on our war room on round one of the draft." I, I, I tell you, I promise you, I wouldn't care what team it was. I would just love to see how the sausage was made. Right, just kind of peel the curtain back and see what what they went through to get to where they're getting. Right now, I prefer it be a team that you know maybe was picking a little bit higher, not not the you know team picking thirty first or thirty second because you got to wait that whole time. I want to see the action, but then again, maybe maybe you do want to see that. Maybe you want to see how it all unfolds and how they change their mind from one pick to another pick. Just being in there, having that opportunity is awesome. And Peter King Demond said nine times he's been in a, in a war room with the team. That's awesome. Something that I was thinking about when you said, "Oh, just to be like, just to be in a room like that." If I was in the Cowboys room when Deuce Vaughn got drafted, I would have yeah. been in there crying and hugging with everybody too. Yeah. Of just like, "Oh man, this is such an emotional moment." Right. His father gets to make the call. Like those moments, like just in the draft room or seeing is there a confrontation where teams are saying, "Hell no, I don't want this guy." Or, Why do we? You know. <laughs> right. Apparently, not a lot of that was going on in the Raiders room. Right. But yeah, for all of those moments to just be a fly on the wall of, I wonder what actually goes down. And for him to do that nine times, I'm sure the stress, he has no, you know, no dog in the fight. But I'm sure it's still just stress, like stress-inducing and nerve-wracking for him as well to be in there. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and go to the first little soundbite when it comes to Peter King on with the morning tailgate this morning, talking about the experience of what it was like being in the Raiders' war room. And this is when he'll tell you that, well, this is the ninth time that he's been able to do it for an NFL franchise. Uh, well, it was the ninth time I'd been in the draft room um, in the years I've covered football, and I always try to do it, but there are many years that you simply can't do it because you can't find a team that is willing to open up its process and share their secrets with you. Um, but, you know, look, there are many times when I've done this that something really dramatic happens in the course of the of the thing. Somebody gets picked right before you or whatever. Uh, right before, Your guy gets picked right before, you know, you're going to oh, yeah. pick. And, but that really didn't happen this time. This time, the, the Raiders really didn't love these quarterbacks this year. Just signed Jimmy Garoppolo. We're never going to take a quarterback. And it would have been one thing if they loved the quarterbacks. And they really, really liked Bryce Young. But Bryce Young was, it's like, sometimes you shop at Macy's and you realize that, okay, we're not shopping at Saks or Nordstrom. And I'm probably getting my, uh, getting my <laughs> shopping uh, centers, my big box stores mixed up there. But, but in essence, what happened in this case, is that the Raiders had four guys. And as Josh McDaniels said at noon that day, he was in the office of, um, of the general manager, Dave Ziegler, and they were talking. 
kind of one last strategy session. And McDaniel basically said, we need three quarterbacks to go in the first six picks. And indeed, once Anthony Richardson, the reason why, and in my story I write about how they both, they slapped hands like, you know, somebody just did a walk-off home run. Uh, they were really pleased when Anthony Richardson was picked at number four because that meant that even if three of their guys uh, got picked, and Willie Anderson was one of them, but even if two of their last three guys got picked at five and six, which they did, Devin Witherspoon and Paris Johnson, they knew that they had one of their guys left, and that was Tyree Wilson. So there you go. That's just, you know, something a little interesting uh, nugget, a little experience like what it was uh, being in the Raiders' war room from the great Peter King. And, again, he was on with the morning tailgate this morning about 20, 25 minutes. Fantastic stuff. I mean, it was appointment listening. It was at 720, and there was no doubt that I was sitting in front of my, the speaker at my, uh, in my office at my house waiting and just sitting there listening. I was locked in on every minute of it. I thought it was some really good stuff, and I knew immediately then we're going to be playing this a little bit later this afternoon on Unnecessary Roughness. So that's just a little bit of the sound bites that you'll hear. And the great thing about Peter King is he gives you answers with great detail, and that's the, the writer in him, right? He just has all those great details in it and just really kind of paints the picture so you know exactly what you're seeing. Like literally in my head right now, I can see uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels slapping hands like, yes, all right, this happened, boom. We're in play. Let's go get it done. So, again, you'll hear more from Peter King later on in the show. But now you got a preview of what's coming up. Joe DeLeon uh, coming up, talking all things NFL draft at 2.30. John McClain at 3. And Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com at 4 o'clock. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. So before we jump into the topic of the day, my mom, who is a diehard Lakers fan, texted me and said, no worries, Warriors got this. They're going to sweep the Lakers. That is my mom being the most pessimistic Laker fan she could possibly be. She's setting herself up to make sure if they do lose, she's already prepared. She'll say, yep, see, I told you. I told you. <laughs> but she knows in her heart she don't believe that. And I hit her back like, yeah, I don't think so. The Warriors ain't that good. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. They're the defending champions. They're the team that I want to win. But – I think it's going to be a battle. I'm so excited about this upcoming series. And, look, they, they were barely able to get away from the young Sacramento Kings. That's a team that's on the come up, so you better watch out for them as well. But shifting back to the, the Raiders and the topic that I want to throw out there, now that everything is said and done and now that the draft is completely uh, over with and now you know the undrafted free agents as well, and we'll start to do some deep dives on those guys uh, as well as the, the guys that were drafted, from just a roster point of view, looking at it from, you know, the – I don't know, the 10th floor, whatever you're doing, what would you consider the biggest roster question that you still have about the Raiders? You know who they selected. You know what positions they play. You have a really good idea of what they did in free agency and also the undrafted free agents. So if you're looking at this Raiders roster, where would you say, okay, you know what, there's still a question at this position. That's what I want to hear from you today, this afternoon, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Of course, the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, look, linebacker, I, I could look at linebacker and say, you know what, maybe there's a question there. They didn't select one till the sixth round. I think the linebacker class was pretty weak. I think we talked about that quite a bit leading up to the draft. So for them to wait for a while, uh, it, was, it, it was not a shock to me. But I would say, if I'm answering the question first, and I guess I am, I would say that, it's probably, I probably still have a question at the cornerback position. I still would think that the corner is, is 
you know, you could make a case and say, you know what, there's enough corners to fill the void, and if they get enough pressure up front, you know, we always talk about what's more important, the pressure or the corners, and I continue to say, and I believe until I go to my grave, that they, they go hand in hand. I think that the, the pressure up front obviously matters in a major way, and they obviously address that, but I believe that the corners, really good corners, matter. And I have a question about Nate Hobbs. If he, is he going to be able to kick outside? and stay outside and stay healthy, and is he going to be able to, you know, flourish in that position? Because, DeMond, you remember last year, all we talked about leading up to the season was, man, it's going to be great having Nate Hobbs and that physicality outside, and it looked pretty good for the first couple games, and then he got injured in week five against the Chiefs, and then he got injured later on. But when he came back against the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium the second time that they played the Chargers, you could see what his physicality did, and it helped them win that game, just him being physical with the wide receivers out there. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, it makes sense what I'm saying is true, his physicality will help in what Patrick Graham wants to do, but can he stay on the field? So to me, I, I just need to see Nate Hobbs come back and be healthy, and it'll make me feel a little bit better about the, 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 the cornerback room. But I still think that that's going to be the biggest question. Is there going to be – are there going to be the guys like Brandon Faison? He, he returned, right? I think that that is a, is a good little pickup. They, uh, you know, they, they signed or they drafted Ja'Korian Bennett out of Maryland. He's five foot ten. He could play outside, inside. How quickly can he adapt to the NFL game? If he could do that pretty quick and you have, a, you, know, you have Bennett and you have Hobbs, maybe you have some really good you know, starting corners. But, again, they're going to get tested early, especially with the gunslingers that you have in the AFC West and Mahomes and Herbert and even Wilson. Those guys are going to get tested early, man, and see if they're, they're able to, to hold up under fire. So I think, for me, the cornerback position is still a, a little bit of concern uh, moving forward. OQ, I'm right there with you 100%. It's got to be corner for me as well. Where for me, the biggest question is, who's the best corner? Where right. I know that everyone's got to develop. We'll see like how it goes to training, training camp. I want to know who's going to be the best corner. Because for me, I know that we're, we're all high on Nate Hobbs, and we want him to do the best. We just like you know what Nate Hobbs is made of. But for me, I think that there needs to be another corner on this team better than Nate Hobbs. I don't know if he's on the roster now. But I need someone to be better than Nate Hobbs because I do think that I, in an ideal world, I just want to see him playing the nickel. It's Ooh, good that he okay. can move. It's good that he can move on the outside a little bit. But it was it was fun seeing it last season. But I think hey, let's just keep him in the nickel and those outside corners. Whoever is going to be the guy that steps up and says, "Hey, I'm the shutdown corner of this team," I need to see how good that guy can be. I like it. I like it. So there you go. You're, you're kicking Nate back inside and not having him play on the outside. That's that's interesting right there, again, because there's multiple guys that I feel like the Raiders could play uh, in the inside. And, yeah, that's that's interesting. I like that. I, I don't know which one. I know Nate has said to us multiple times in the locker room that he doesn't he, – you play me wherever. You, I'm a football player. Just put me on the field. I don't care. So I don't. I know he won't mind playing on the inside, but I, I feel like – I feel like he was excited to play that outside corner position. And, you know, of course, it didn't, it didn't last all season because of injury. But I'm just curious uh, uh, about how he develops next, this next season under Patrick Graham. We saw him his rookie year. He looked really good. And we we're hoping to see him take that next step. But uh, because of injuries, that kind of derailed him. Uh, Devin from San Diego hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, which is 69187, keyword R&R. He said, corner linebacker, defensive tackle that can get after the quarterback, right tackle, guard, in that order. So all those are concerns. <laughs> all those are concerns. They can't all be concerns, right? I mean, um, defensive tackle, that whole room is pretty pretty loaded. If you think about it, not only the guys that they drafted, but they, they have a lot of guys in that room. I was just 
doing the Raider roundtable this morning with JT the Brick over at the Raiders facility, and we were just looking at the defensive linemen and defensive tackles, and, you know, there's guys that have uh, plenty of experience in that room, and then there's young dudes in that room, but there's a lot of guys in that room. In, in that room. Uh, of course, you want to see them get after the quarterback, but I, I, think that they'll, I think that they're okay in the defensive tackle position. I really do. Uh, right tackle and guard, I, I can get that. I, you know, maybe the undrafted free agents that the Raiders brought in, Dalton Wagner, McClendon Curtis, maybe those guys uh, play a big factor. They were given some big-time uh, you know, money as far as uh, undrafted free agency goes. So uh, maybe the Raiders, they're kind of showing what they, what they have in plan for those guys. So maybe they can help fill that vo- void. But definitely want to hear from you, Raider Nation. What are your thoughts? Cornerback for me is, you know, the biggest concern still moving forward. And there's plenty of time to tweak the roster. It's not like it's set in stone. It's not like this is the, the, the roster they're going to go to camp with. they got plenty of times to make some things happen. So 69187, keyword R&R. Also 702-365-9200. Jim from Yonkers said the biggest question is the right tackle. I'd like to see the line decided a lot earlier this year compared to last year. Thanks for a great show. I may take my bye week next week before the schedule comes out. There you go. Right tackle, that's, that's very fair. Again, I, I mentioned Dalton Wagner and McClendon Curtis, and I'm sure that they're going to play a role in all this. They're going to you know, be out there and uh, you know, be one of the, the, the potential guys to fill that void. But I'm with you, Jim, where it's like just have it decided. Have it decided coming out of camp, not you know, four or five weeks into the season. And I get why they have to do that. They had to do that last year, and I, I was not a fan of it at all. I was hoping that they would have that already solidified. But, I mean, it's just they don't really get a whole lot of burn. And, of course, they didn't play that much in, in preseason. So maybe that was the mistake, right? Maybe you should have played the guys earlier in preseason, let them get a lot of burn, and you maybe be able to figure out who was what earlier. The problem is they just didn't. And so that was, that was a struggle for a while for the, that line just to keep – you know, rotating guys in one week this guy played, another week this guy played, another week this guy played. So, Jim, I'm with you. Coming out of training camp, I want to know who the starting five are up front. Makes a lot of sense. 702-365-9200. DeMond, who we got up? Gangster Raider. Gangster, gangster. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's happening? I got my slow jamming voice <laughs> on like DeMond. You know what I'm saying? Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. <laughs> anyway... I just want to say my biggest concern still is defensive tackle. I know you said we got a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. but we don't have the guy okay. that defensive tackle that's going. You know, we got a bunch of run stoppers, but I need somebody that's going to be back there, get to the quarterback, somebody that's going to force a double team. If we get somebody like that with um, Max and a new guy on the ends, mm-hmm. then we'll be working with something. Also, um, I think we need a middle linebacker because I thought we was going to get – a good middle linebacker in the draft, so I'm still concerned about that, and a corner. You know what I mean? Because okay. um, I think we need a corner that's like a big body, long corner that plays man press, you know what I'm saying, to go to our defense, and I don't think we had that guy. You know what I mean? So those are my concerns, but I think we had a good draft overall. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. wish we'd have got um, Hooker. You know what I'm saying? When all the top, top three quarterbacks went, I wish we'd have picked up Hooker when we had a chance instead yeah. of um, the tight end. That's the only thing I wish would have went different. You know what I mean? But I think we did good overall. And also, um, I know this is um, – I went to ask you this last week, but I couldn't get through. Do you know what um, Carr's um, test was for that SST test or whatever? Do you know what his score was? Did he score high? Did he score low on that when he was a um, draft pick or whatever? I just wanted to know, do you know that? I think that uh, they weren't doing the S2 test when uh, Carr was uh, car was coming out. I don't know what – they were probably still doing the Wonderlick test, so uh, I'm not too sure what those scores were. Um, but I know that the Raiders don't use the S2 test anyways. They uh, – what was it, the tap – the tap uh, – the tap? Yep, yep. 
I don't want to say tap scan. That's not what it is. The tap test, that's what it's called. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. And, you know, we'll, we'll get some more thoughts. We'll deep dive into, you know, positions of concern. But hit us up, 69187, keyword r What is the biggest roster question you still have about the silver and black now that the, the draft is all in the books and all said and done? Let us know. Coming up next, Joe DeLeon is going to give us a recap of the 2023 NFL draft. This is Radio Nation Radio. We are live right now. We are hanging out, having a real good time over at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village with Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Question I threw out there. Do it out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. Feel free to chime in at any point of the show. What is the biggest roster question you still have about the Raiders following the draft? And we'll be talking to Joe DeLeon in a few minutes, talking all things NFL draft, just to kind of give a recap. And my man Mike has been Mr. Consistent. Since day one, he tweeted at me. This is Mike at MikeyGNB on Twitter, and he just put simply, coaching. Coaching is his biggest question. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. Right? I mean, again, and I've said it, and I think I've said it all offseason long, you get your guys, you go out and you bring in all your guys that you feel like will fit in with what you want to do and are in the image of what you're trying to get accomplished, then it is up to you to coach them up and get them where they need to be. And I think that goes for not only Josh McDaniels but Patrick Graham as well. I mean, we've been talking all offseason about the defense. All right, well, the defense needs to have more players. Max Crosby need to have more dogs. Okay, defense, defense, defense. The Raiders went out and got six out of nine guys. In the, in the draft, they got him as on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, here you go, Patrick Graham. Here's some more, here's some more, uh, you know, more guys to, to, to in, put your envision on this defense and your thumbprint on the defense. Go to work. On the other side of the ball, offensively, Josh McDaniels has to do the same thing. Here goes your weapons. And I'll tell you right now, if you have the kind of weapons that Coach McDaniels has on the offensive side of things, you know, they should really be successful, right? They should be getting a lot of uh, red zone touchdowns instead of field goals. Right, none of those minus fours. They should be getting a lot of the uh, plus threes, <laughs> you know, or plus four, whatever the, the the math is. But no minus fours. That was a weird. Uh, that was a weird math problem that I did not fail. I did not succeed with in my head. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. Like they they need to, to have more touchdowns than they do field goals. It's just that simple. So you get a, bring in a guy like Michael Mayer, who if you go back and look at his stats at Notre Dame, he was number one in the red zone on everything, everything. Red zone, whatever it is, red zone category, he was number one. Okay, you have Jimmy G. What does he like to do? Throw the ball to the tight end. Devontae Adams, wide receiver. What is he, where does he thrive at? Red zone. He's really good. Like, they have so many different options. Now, no longer do they have to, or I expect them to, and, look, they might do it anyway, but this is what I'm expecting, is no longer are you going to see the, hey, you're in the red zone, let's dump it off and hope this guy breaks a couple tackles and gets to the end zone. Now it should be throwing the ball in the end zone. There shouldn't have to be Devontae breaking tackles or Hunter breaking tackles or Jacobs breaking tackles. Throw the rock into the end zone. You have the guys. You have the bodies. And I really feel like a lot of the bodies were there before. It just wasn't happening. Right? I mean, but you got a guy like Mayer who can use his basketball skills. We were talking about the playoffs. He could use his basketball background that he has, kind of block guys out, his defenders, block them out, you know, post up. All right, boom, hit him with the ball. Even if it's a fade, go get him with the fade. If it's just, a, you know, like I said, him post up and, and hit him with the rock, cool. Devontae, I mean, he can shake anyone out there shorts, right? So then he's, he's open in the, in the uh, end zone all the time. The ball needs to be thrown into the end zone. So on that offensive side of things, 
Josh McDaniels has a lot of an opportunity to take advantage of it. Of course, Jimmy G's got to stay healthy. The offensive line's got to keep him upright. I get it. Josh Jacobs needs to be back there running the rock, so they got to get that situation taken care of. But on paper, and you don't win games on paper, but on paper the offense looks set. It's, it's you know, the defense coming together and being worth the salt. If they're worth the salt, then they're going to be good. If they're not worth the salt, then we're talking about possibly what we saw last year. One score losses, one score losses, close losses. Oh, almost had it, almost had it. Like, they don't want to have those this upcoming season. So I think Mike, even though he's been super consistent with the coaching and, and very skeptical of the coaching, I think he's spot on when he says that about that's his biggest concern moving forward. 69187, keyword R&R. As, as I said, we're efforting Joe DeLeon to talk all things NFL draft, kind of put a bow on it. Clark and San Mateo, he actually was talking about the <laughs> – Clark and, Sandy, and, and San Mateo actually brought up the, the hoop series. He said, Q&D, concern is uh, – oh, linebacker, as it all depends on last year's undrafted free agents. Uh, Masterson and Butler, right now one of those guys is starting in base D. Are they enough to survive early downs? And then he said, go Warriors. And he said uh, – he also followed up and said – Poole has to play better. He was worse than the air quality in L.A. Uh, that's from Clark and San Mateo. And I'll tell you this, man. There's one player I cannot stand on the Warriors. It's Jordan Poole. I, I don't mean to slander that dude, but I just do not. I Just something about me irks. Like, he's that guy, and this is terrible to say, and there, as one of our signs just flew away. That's cool. This is terrible to say, but I kind of understand why Draymond punched him. <laughs> right? I mean, he's just kind of like, you, he kind of reminds me of that guy that would get on your nerves. That you were just like, man, oh, I just want to punch you. Even though, like I said, I'm not encouraging it. But it just seems like, okay, it makes sense. I get it. Jordan Poole, he is so frustrated. It's like you're watching a Harlem Globetrotter out there on, a, on the basketball court. And you don't need to be a Harlem Globetrotter. You just need to be good. Just do what you do. Do what got you that contract extension. Instead, it seems like he's trying to be Steph Curry 2.0. And he don't have to be. Just go out there and do what he does. Uh, let's see. We also got a text. Vegas Pete. We got Shelly, Long, Amik at corner. Also Raiders resigned Parker and, and like Mumford. Yeah, no, that's true, Vegas Pete. Thank you for the text. It's good to hear from you. Um, I'm interested to see how the, the battle. The, the One thing I can say about the roster, even if there are questions, like I said, corner, some have said linebacker, some have said right guard, right tackle. I feel like there's a lot of competition, which is good. I feel like there's a lot of dudes that can really go out there and compete and, 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 you know, fight for a job. I just want to know if there's going to be anybody that separates themselves as, like, that alpha, as that next level dude. That's, that's what I'm really looking at, just seeing if he's going to be that guy. So uh, that's, that's, that's really what I got right there. Damon, you got me taking a break? Okay, Damon's got – I don't know what Damon's giving me the signal for, but 2.37 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, reset. It's Radio Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. And here we are. We are back here at Opportunity Village, the magical forest at Opportunity Village here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And apparently we have a few gremlins that have attacked our phone lines. So, uh, no Joe DeLeon, according to DeMond, who's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Uh, we've got the, like I said, the little technical gremlins that are working against us today. And that's all right. We'll uh, try to figure it out, and we'll catch up with Joe next time. Hopefully we get John McClain at the top of the hour. Definitely don't want to miss out on talking to the general there and everything going on with uh, the Houston Texans and all things NFL-related. So hopefully we're able to make that happen at the top of the hour. But uh, we do want to hear from you, Raider Nation, and we do have a lot of good sound to get to as well from the Peter King interview that took place with the morning tailgate this morning. That's uh, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown did a fantastic job uh, with Peter King inside the war room for the silver and black. So the question that I threw out there today on the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. What's the biggest roster question you still have about the Raiders? And plenty 
and I mean plenty of great texts are flying through right now. We do appreciate that. Mailman Raider said, Q, my biggest question is the whole offense. This offense is littered with playmakers everywhere. My question is how are we going to utilize them? We know where DA will be, but we got Renfro and Jacoby who play, play slot, but Jacoby can also play outside. Will he be strictly an outside guy? We wanted two tight end sets all last year. We got three tight ends who can all catch the ball. With the young running backs get more burn? It's a really good question to have, and that's Mailman Raider. And, look, that's a really good problem to have. That's the answer to that. It's a really good problem. I'll tell you this. If I'm a cornerback or a linebacker or whatever the case may be, and I look around and my room is, is, is full, full to the max, I realize that I better step my game up, right? If I'm a wide receiver and there's 10 dudes in the room and I know there ain't going to be 10 dudes on the roster, guess who's stepping their game up? Guess who's at the facility right now working out? Me, right? <laughs> like if, if, if we have in the building, we have four radio jobs open and there's nine of us, Guess what? <laughs> I'm getting to the radio station early, and I'm staying late. You're going you're gonna to know who's sticking around and who's not sticking around. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of having deep rooms. Yeah, you're right. You know, Jacoby could play multiple roles, and that's the thing that Dave Ziegler's talked about, and he was on with JT earlier today. Uh, so hopefully you had an opportunity to listen to that uh, really good conversation from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. The thing about it is they always want versatility. Why? They want guys that can play multiple roles. You can only take so many guys to each game. So when you're taking guys to games, you want a guy who can be a tackle if you need a tackle to, in a pinch or a guy who can play a guard in a pinch. If a Renfro grows down, all of a sudden you have a Jacoby who can slide into the, the slot position. Devontae could play in the slot position. Tucker, who you just drafted, could play in the slot position. Like you have all these different options. That's a good problem to have. That's a great problem to have, to have three tight ends. And, look, I'll say this. O.J. Howard is part of the mix. He's been a disappointment his career so far. And it's been basically because of injury. So if you're O.J. Howard, if you're Austin Hooper, you're looking at that room like, well, they just drafted this young stud in Michael Mayer. He's, he's, he's de- uh, tight end one. So who's going to be tight end two? Right? That, again, these are great problems to have. The problem is when you look up and you're like, damn, I don't have enough running backs. I don't have enough wide receivers. I don't have enough signs that are flying away with this wind out here, but that's happening. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have enough this, that, and the other. That's when you really have a problem. So I think that that is a good problem to have. Let's go out to the phone lines, though. I do believe that they're working with uh, our listeners. 702-365-9200. DeMond's doing a great job trying to man the phones there in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, so I do appreciate you. Uh, how about Tim in Texas? Can we get Tim on? Welcome to the show, Tim. Hello, how you guys doing? Hey, we're good. How are you doing, uh, Tim? Okay. The only the only uh, problem that, uh, that I had uh, uh, in the draft, and I kind of harped on it a little bit, um, is uh, I hated that they didn't get uh, Trenton Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. When it comes to uh, Byron Young, the defensive tackle, that yeah. was a that was a good pick. That was a really really good pick. Mm-hmm. But I think that they could have got Trenton Simpson and then got uh, uh, Young at one hundred. That was the only. Pro- I think uh, it, it, to me, in my mind, it would have been pretty much a perfect draft okay. if they just could have got Trenton Simpson and then later on got Byron Young, and because I really think he he, he would have been there. I, I wasn't really sweating the fact that they didn't uh, that they didn't uh, take a cornerback up there because I really didn't want them to take a cornerback up there because you got all these cornerbacks that come into the NFL. They be you know they get picked high and then they come in because we it, there's not one true shutdown cornerback in the NFL. There's not one. I ain't, I, I haven't seen one in forever. And um, like you look at the the the, the cornerback that um, Denver got, you look at the one that the Chargers got, you look at the one that Houston got last year. 
I, I watched uh, Devontae Adams uh, eat all of them up, and every I think he caught for over 100 yards against every last one of them. So I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really, really tripping on no cornerback. But um, uh, and now when it comes to Tyree Wilson, I'm from, I'm, I live in Lubbock, Texas. So yeah. I, I, I watch uh, Texas Tech games all the time, and I and I really did like that pick. I understood them picking him over Carter. Because I, I know he can go, he can go defensive end, he can go defensive tackle, mm-hmm. but it really made it even better when they when they did get young in the third round. I just wish that um, I just wanted Trent Simpson, uh, at least a, a, a you know a linebacker um, that could that that had the speed and stuff that they wanted. Yeah. Hey, good call, man. And calling from not East Texas, but Beast Texas, <laughs> representing right there in Lubbock with uh, Tyree Wilson. And yeah, man, that's that's a good story. I'm I'm excited about Tyree Wilson. All he needs to do is make sure that he's uh you know he's healthy and ready to go for the beginning of the season. I think that I think the Raider fans are really going to enjoy Tyree Wilson and what he brings to the table. And the one thing I'll say about the whole draft class is, if I look at it and just kind of summarize it, I feel like every one of the guys that they selected, especially on the defensive side of the ball, have production but they also have room to grow. They haven't just kind of tapped out. Like they're not, they haven't peaked already, where sometimes you'll see a guy that's great in college and then that's who he is. You know, like Jadavion Clowney came into the NFL and he never got better. He never got better. Jadavion Clowney lived off of one hit. I mean, he still cashed the checks off one hit. Now, I wish I can cash a check off of a one hit, but, you know, that's not, that's not what it is. But he never, ever all of a sudden became that next-level dude. Khalil Mack came into the league. And he grew and got better and, and developed and got better and became Defensive Player of the Year. That's, that's what I'm talking about, production with an opportunity to continue to grow. Now, I will say this, Tim. I'll push back a little bit on the corners. If I'm the Raiders, I would love to have Pat Sertan. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to be perfect, but I would love to have Pat Sertan. I would love to have Sauce Gardner. <laughs> I would love to have, I mean, hell, even Jalen Ramsey at this point. I mean, just a guy that you know can go and make plays on a ball, can go and, and, and be, you know, you're right. Shutdown corners are probably not – a thing anymore just because because that's what it is but I mean guys like Pat Sertan and, and like I said Sauce Gardner and I think Devin Witherspoon's got an opportunity to be really good those guys you do want to have those guys on your squad so uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out I just I still think corner is still needed for that uh, that defense to get a lot better let's go back out to the phone lines real quick 702-365-9200 Demond, who's up next Robert in Portland Robert representing Portland hit me up what's on your mind my man well Q uh you know, I I, I I just thought they faced what they faced in the, in the draft. I, I, I agree with uh, Wilson because the one thing you've got to do to get off the football field against, the, you know, Murray and last year's worst loss was fourth down. And, uh, you know, you'd be running for, you know, his life. I like Wilson. You can't have enough edge guys, and he looks like a guy that can go inside or outside. Unlike Farrell, though, he looks like. You know he's going to be uh, he's going to get to the quarterback. So I thought that was good. The one area that I still uh, have trouble with is our third down when we're on the field trying to get that first down. And I know Jimmy. I watched Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He's he's a good quarterback. But if that court if, and he'll hang in there. Don't get me wrong. But I've seen him make force throws when he's pressured in the middle, kind of like Derek did. Yeah. And I just think. Our offensive line, when it's facing the Chiefs or it's facing even Denver, and it's third down, seven, whatever, even when we're in the red zone, we don't have an offensive line that can get that get that first down that you and I uh, 
are accustomed to because we watch other teams do it. I mean, for crying out loud, that was our big Achilles heel all last year. We couldn't get a, off the field on defense, and we couldn't get you know, our first downs that we needed late in games. Derek might have been the problem, but I don't know. Right. I think it's the offensive line. So I'm still uh, – I, I, I just feel that our inside guards are okay, but they're not great. James improved, but uh, we needed – we needed a right hand. We needed a right guard to take Bars' place. Bars is good when you're running the ball. He did that key block to get Jacobs open. He ran, won the game against Seattle. But you know that was the only time all year that we had a key block that won a game that was very tight. It was just that kind of a year, and it was because we can't stop people. All right. Hey, good call, man. I definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, third down on both sides of the ball is going to be important, right? You want to get off the field on third, especially on third and long. And there was too many times the Raiders weren't able to do that. And, you know, you got to keep drives alive. I think I do believe, and maybe I'm putting too much confidence in a rookie, I think Michael Mayer is going to have a, a lot to do with third down and keeping drives alive, being successful in the, in the red zone. But you're right. They've got to have a line to block for him. They've got to have a line to block for, uh, for Jimmy G so he can even get the ball out of his hands. Because it don't matter who you got out there trying to catch the ball. If you can't get the ball to them, then it ain't going to matter. So that's, that's a great point. Um, but I, I do think that Mayer is going to really help with the third down success of the Silver and Black that they might not have had a season ago. Uh, got one more call. Let's take one more call. 702-365-9200. DeMond, who we got up next? Raider John. Raider John, what's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, man. Let me, uh, let me be real quick with you because I think I'm going to change your mind, maybe just a little bit on our round three pick of Trey Tucker there. Uh, and here it is. Okay. In, in Josh McDaniel's offense, we all know that the slot receiver is very, very critical. We also know that we have a good, solid uh, pro bowl a receiver in Hunter Renfro. However, we do know that we need a solid backup for him. So you're saying, wait a minute, we have a starter. We need a solid backup. Well, what I'm here to say is that not only do we need a slot receiver backup, but we need a one different than Hunter Renfro. We need a okay. one with speed. We need something to take the top off, scare the defensive coordinators, especially in our division. Because right now, if they line up without our number three draft pick, they can pretty much put any cornerback out there. I mean, of course, they're going to have to double up Devontae, but there's nobody that scares them speed-wise. Right. Well, that's different today. That's different today because when they line up, they're going to have to ask themselves, where is Trey Tucker? Where is number one? Where is he lining up? And I guarantee you, Josh McDonald is going to put a lot of effort in getting that man ready to play football from day one. And why? Because he used that number three draft choice that we gave up for Waller. And I guarantee you, he told, uh, he told the general manager, he said, if I'm going to give up that draft pick, he goes, I'm going to need some offensive firepower. And then, so now you look at the board. Everybody says they could have got him later. No, yeah. I went through and I looked at every single board, wide receiver that was drafted after him. And there was only three drafted in the rest of round four. Now you take a look at which one of those profiles would have given them the skill set that they need. The shiftiness, the speed, the cone drill, the thing that's going to make him deadly out in the field. Nobody, with the exception of number 138, uh, I'm sorry, 133, which was Tyler Scott, which just happened to be his teammate. Right. At Cincinnati, who fit the same type of mold. But you know what? Uh, Josh probably said, no, I want the other guy. So let's go to round five. In the entire round five, there were only three wide receivers taken. Only three in the entire round. None of them not come close to the profile that would have mattered. 
uh, uh, to, to get a slot receiver like him. Take a look at those profiles. And then you go to round six and round seven, you have eight and five receivers taken respectively. I look at each of those profiles, and it doesn't take much. All you have to do is click on the NFL tracker, and it'll tell you the profile. Take a look at the speed, the cone drills, the shiftiness, all of the things that he is elite at. So now you go back to the board, and you're sitting there at 100. And you sit there and say, if I don't take him here, if I don't get the backup here, I am going to be left with the remainder of which I just described. None of them come close to meeting with the exception of that last wide receiver, which was his teammate. So that's what I think they were facing when they were looking at pick night 100. And the, ad- and the argument that he would have been available later on, I have to dispute that. All right. Hey, Raider John, thanks for the call. I'm going to get you a show, brother. <laughs> I'm going to get Raider John his own show. What are you doing at 6? <laughs> so, no, just kidding. But, uh, really, no, that's that's good detail. And, look, I, I don't I don't really care where he was drafted at. Uh, I've heard the reports. I've said the reports that he could have probably been had in the fifth round. But, again, you're right about the speed element. That's something that the Raiders haven't had since Ruggs. I mean, it's just they haven't had that take-the-top-off-the-defense type of speed. So that's what they have. Uh, that will be an element that's going to be needed, uh, you know, and if he works with Hunter, if he works instead of Hunter, I mean, who, who knows what the case is going to be. But that's who they came away with, and at least at the end of the day, you know that they have that speed element regardless of where they got it. And, again, coming away with six defenders and only three players on the offensive side of the ball, I'm okay with uh, 100%. Again, I'm not really worried about uh, where they selected him at. But thanks for the breakdown, my man. I do appreciate you. And uh, one quick text from Joseph in Denver before we take a break. Uh, Right guard, there's no way they can go into the next season with Alex Bars as your starting guard. That's from Joseph in Denver, and I agree with Alex Bars uh, 100%. And I, I do look at the, the depth that they have at the offensive line, and, you know, there's nobody that's elite, but there's guys that are going to go out there and compete. Of course, Jermaine Illuminor has been re-signed, so maybe he kicks into guard. Maybe he plays a tackle position. Maybe one of the undrafted free agents is in the mix. They gave him a lot of money, so those are some guys that they can consider. And I also do know from listening to the Peter King interview that obviously offensive line was something that they were looking at. It just wasn't the right offensive lineman falling to them, so they didn't reach, which I can appreciate. They didn't force the issue just because they felt like they needed an offensive lineman. 2.57 is the time. Coming up next as we kick off hour number two, we're going to be joined by John McClain, I believe, from gallerysports.com and sports radio 610 we're at the magical forest at opportunity village here on raider nation radio 920